Hey everybody, Lonnie here to let you know that this hot take of Avengers Infinity War is going to be fully spoiled. So if you have not yet seen the movie, you're going to want to set this one aside, go see the movie, and then come on back. Hi and welcome to Listen Up A-Holes, the only Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast that kicks names and takes ass. I'm Joshua Unruh, superhero scholar from Pulp Diction Productions. And I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich of Chipperish Media. Together we are working our way through the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So listen up, a-holes. We're going to give you our hot take on Infinity War. All right, Lonnie, confession time. I sometimes lay awake at night in dread of doing the comics history on some movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and uh, Infinity War is the newest one to that list. Okay, all right. Well, I'm sorry that this job is giving you, like, exceptional stress. You can take it up with HR. We'll see what we can do for you. I just don't think you realize... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the length and breadth of some of these things and infinity war yeah. is quite a thing. So I'm actually going to do a little bit of housekeeping in a way and, mm-hmm. and just sure. kind of breeze past some things on here. Uh, for one thing, the title, yes. if you are going to try and read the comic books on which this movie is extremely loosely based, <laughs> you are going to want to look for a story called the infinity gauntlet not Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Infinity War was a sequel to Infinity Gauntlet, kinda, and will make even less sense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you want to read the Infinity Gauntlet. That mm-hmm. is the original story from the early 90s uh, where Thanos sticks all these rocks on his glove and kills half the universe. That's <laughs> that's the big deal. And And to be honest, they chose the better title. Because okay. Marvel has wars. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like DC has crises, crisis on infinite earths, crisis of mm-hmm. two earths, infinite crisis. Marvel has wars. They have secret okay. wars. So many secret wars. <laughs> Seriously, multiples. Uh, they have a civil war, obviously. Mm-hmm. And now we have an infinity war. So they, uh-huh. they chose the better name. But if you're really desperate to read these comics, do not go read the Infinity War. You will be like, Pip the Troll, what's an Adam Warlock? (laughs) Infinity Gauntlet is the one you want. The one named for Thanos' glove. Because Mm -hmm. in the comic books, that's all it is. It's the glove Thanos was wearing anyway before he hot glued the Infinity Stones on it. So (laughs) Before he bedazzled, right? (laughs) Yes. Oh, the Infinity Bedazzlement. That's it. (laughs) If that's not the second part of this movie, I'm going to be real mad. All right. They also changed Thanos' motivations in the Mm -hmm. comics versus the movie. And thank goodness. Okay. Because in the comic books, he actually collects the Infinity Gems, bedazzles his glove, and then murders half of the universe to impress his would-be girlfriend, the personification of death. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So the things yeah. that men will do to impress women, apparently in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or at least the Marvel Comic Universe, is, is you know, galactic in Not scale. just any woman. Right. Death. 
a primordial force that chose to anthropomorphize herself as a skeletal woman in a robe. Wow. And Thanos is the ultimate nihilist. And so he attempts to woo her by killing half the universe. By giving her an incredible backlog of people to process, right? Is that <laughs> is he like doing the work for her so he can take her on a nice vacation? Or does this end up just creating an incredible backlog of paperwork for her? What he was actually doing is, from a certain perspective, a favor to her. Because uh-huh. there are a few of these primordial forces in the Marvel Universe. These are not technically gods mm-hmm. in the same way that Thor is, or even in the way that some other gods we'll discuss here in a moment are. Mm-hmm. These are the forces that came into being along with the universe, right? And so okay. death, obviously, you mm-hmm. know, as soon as something is alive, it is dying. Right. Um, infinity and eternity are kind of co-in charge of life. Mm-hmm. And at the point that Thanos entered the scene, death felt that it was very unfair that there were more people alive in the universe right then than had ever died. Uh-huh. Okay. So her comparative power was not as great as infinities and eternities. All right. Okay. And so Thanos, even the scales. Before we move on, I should mention another one of these primordial forces that I am never otherwise going to have the opportunity to talk about because (laughs) he's a Fantastic Four guy and Mm -hmm. that's owned by another company who keeps screwing it up. Okay. Mm -hmm. Along with death, infinity, and eternity, you have Galactus. All right. The world eater. Okay. <laughs> he is actually a man who survived the big crunch of the universe that existed before ours, as well as the Big Bang that created ours. Oh, wow. And that infused him with the power cosmic is how they describe it. But what it comes down to is, um, you know how there are sort of like a, like a alpha predators mm-hmm. that manage entire ecosystems mm-hmm. with their hunting and eating and defecating etc <laughs> yes i'm serious i mean that's how it works that's basically galactus for the whole universe wow so when he shows up he eats your planet mm-hmm. and moves on and earth is one of the tiny number of planets that have repulsed him and they are the only planet that res- has repulsed him more than once so basically he has the equivalent of a gluten allergy but it's an earth allergy <laughs> It's specifically a superhero allergy. (laughs) So everything he has, he's like, no earth. No earth in this. They keep showing up and putting a stop to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) Sorry, you came to the planet that's like three quarters super people. Sorry. Uh (laughs) You can't have it. So now alongside these primordial forces, I mentioned there are some other gods. We'll just breeze on past them. There's the Eternals. Mm Mm-hmm. I just like them because Jack Kirby made them up. They really don't make a whole lot of sense. (laughs) They were a late addition. Mm -hmm. You've got Mephisto, who -hmm. is as close to a Judeo-Christian Satan figure as you're going to find in the Marvel Universe. Like, Mm -hmm. he makes deals for souls. Oh, wow. He's got the whole look down. Yeah, yeah. So Mephisto came down to Georgia looking for a soul to steal, huh? (laughs) Now, I know that Ghost Rider shows up eventually in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I'm curious to know if Mephisto is involved. Oh, don't tell me. I'm not going to say anything. Good. Like, I'm really Mm -hmm. curious because the version of Ghost Rider that they have on that show is far removed from the original one. And the original one is the one who made a deal with Mephisto. 
and it didn't work out and he became a heavy metal album cover. Mm-hmm. You also have the Living Tribunal who might represent God. It's hard to tell. And then my personal favorites, and I'm only mentioning these not just because they're my favorite, but because they might be part of Captain Marvel sort of sideways. We'll see. Mm-hmm. The Celestials. Okay. They are giants and not technically gods. They're actually just like super geneticists working on a cosmic scale. Mm -hmm. They're the reason there's all these super people on Earth. They came and experimented on us. Mm -hmm. And they are also the ones who passed judgment on the Kree, which will factor very seriously into Captain Marvel's origin. The judgment they passed on the Kree was that they decided the Kree had evolved as much as they needed to and just said, no more evolution for you. So the Kree have been evolutionary stagnant for millennia. Wow, that's interesting. The Kree actually also play a fairly significant role in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm not going to spoil anything, but that'll be really interesting to see if they show up in Captain Marvel. They're definitely going to show up in Captain Marvel. We've kind of already heard that Ronan the Accuser is the villain, Uh or at least one of the villains. And the outfit that Brie Larson keeps getting pictures taken Mm -hmm. of... (laughs) (laughs) Um, on set is very much not her Captain Marvel outfit. It's the outfit that she has. It's like the greens of the Kree Empire. So I'll just be curious if the Celestials, if they even name drop them and are like, we've been evolutionary stagnant because these giant space jerks said no more evolution, (laughs) you know, will be quite a thing. Wow. All right. My favorite Celestial is Arishem the Judge. Yeah. You're going to love him. You're going to love Arishem the Judge. Okay. He is the one who decides if a civilization or a planet should live or die. He does this with a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Uh His thumb has a glyph on it, like a rune. Yeah. If he presses it to the planet up, they live. Uh If he gives it the thumbs down, it literally destroys it. Wow. Well, that seems kind of harsh. Does it, do people get to, like, you know, make an argument? Oh, no, no. The Celestials don't even talk. They're just, like, big space giants that do whatever the hell they want. Wow. Yeah. Okay, again, I, I'm I'm just enjoying getting to talk about the fact that the Celestials exist and that Erishim, the judge, can literally give the planet the thumbs down. Mm-hmm. None of that matters for Infinity War. I just want to point out that the cosmology of the Marvel Comics universe makes even less sense than the one in the MCU. (laughs) And there's some examples of how. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. But at least they didn't have Thanos setting up some kind of cosmic OK Cupid file for for death, you know, into nihilism, you know, into long walks on the beach covered in people I have annihilated. I mean, (laughs) you know. Yeah, I mean, at least, like, even though the motivation for Thanos in in Infinity War didn't quite make sense to me, I think the that he was doing it to impress a girl would have been a little bit a little bit flat. I think that wouldn't have worked. When you go read that book and he's uh, mm-hmm. literally having lover spats with her over the fact <laughs> that now he's technically more powerful than her. It's I feel like Jim Starlin, who wrote most of that story, might have been going through some stuff. Maybe, maybe, might have been. Going I don't know. Through some I, that's stuff, a yeah. complete guess. 
So. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that gives us, talking about the writers, a little bit of a segue into our production history here. Um, Avengers Infinity War was released on April 27th, 2018. It was directed by Anthony and Joe Russo and written by, like I said, lots of writing credits. This is going to be really complicated. There's 14 writing credits on this in IMDb. So we're going to take a couple of moments to kind of sort all this stuff out. Now, as I have said over and over again, Generally, the rule of thumb is the more writers on a project, typically the worse it is. But the Marvel Cinematic Universe properties are somewhat excused from this because so many of the writing credits go to people who originated these characters in the comics. And that is definitely the case here with many of the 14 writing credits actually being repeat offenders. We have Stan Lee credited twice, once generically just for quote unquote Marvel comics and then specifically for the creation of Groot. Jack Kirby got three credits similarly for Marvel comics and then for Captain America and Groot. Then we've got Larry Lieber, Joe Simon, Steve Englehart, Steve Gann, Bill Mantlo, Keith Giffen, and Don Heck. So we have all of these people on there basically for creation of various characters within this story. So they do get a writing credit on the movie itself. Um, but the only writing credits that actually count are, as you mentioned, Jim Starlin, who has an uncredited story by credit for Infinity Gauntlet, which now, of course, makes sense because he wrote that thing about Thanos trying very hard to pr- impress a girl and so killing half of life on the universe. Um, And then, of course, we have our favorite duo, Stephen McFeely and Christopher Marcus, who count as one writer because they work as a team. So really, all that to say, Infinity War clears the too many cooks in the kitchen bar pretty nicely. Um, And I think that we got some some really interesting stuff to talk about um, from McFeely and Marcus on this. So it's going to be a really interesting discussion. Um, So as of this recording, Infinity War, Um, has taken in about $550 million domestically and over a billion worldwide. This, of course, is in uh, three weeks or so. So that's pretty impressive and has become the fifth top grossing film of all time worldwide and the eighth top grossing film domestically, according to boxofficemojo.com. It also had a budget of $316 million, which is the highest MCU movie budget to date. And considering how many actors we have in this film, (laughs) it kind of makes sense. Um, So profit-wise, it is trailing just a smidge behind the Avengers from 2012, but at the rate it's going, it's going to bust that record again pretty soon. So, um, so it's, it's doing very, very well, even by a Marvel Cinematic Universe standard. Okay. So Avengers Infinity War, what overall did you think? Were you happy? Were you disappointed? I think that you probably had more expectations than I did uh, because you knew more going in, right? In a way, I mean, let's say it like this. It is in almost every way exactly what I expected. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even if I didn't know all the details, okay. you know, mm-hmm. um, like I will I will throw my wife and son under the bus. The credits roll <laughs> yeah. and they are mad as hell. Oh, sure. And I'm like, what did you mopes think was going to happen? <laughs> like, <laughs> how did you think this was going to go? <laughs> I was completely unprepared. I was completely unprepared. At the end, I, I brought my daughter Sarah to it and we just looked at each other and we're like, wait a minute. What the hell? And the thing is that like we sat there 
you know, processing, emotionally processing throughout like all the credits, which of course are very extensive, waiting for that final, you know, end sequence. And, um, and, you know, as we were, I was like, okay, fine. I'm like, this is the first part of a two-parter, you know, it's going to be okay. We're going to obviously we're going to get back all the people that turned into dust or at least maybe most of the people that turned into dust. So this is not like an end thing. Um, but in the moment I was like, wait a minute, they were supposed to fix this before the end of this movie. Did you know about the fact that it used to be infinity war part one and part two and that the Russos started talking about how, no, it's just infinity war in a whole other movie. Yeah. I didn't realize, like I knew there was going to be another infinity war, but Going into the movie, I wasn't even thinking about that. You know, like I was just okay. thinking that okay. you can't end a movie, you know, killing off like half of your people. And of course, like once I I got that, but I was so invested in it and so used to at the end of a movie, you know, especially like a superhero movie, like the good guys win and the bad guys lose. And that's yeah. just how it yeah. works, you know? So at the end of it, I, I kind of had that, but I was so wrapped up in everything that was going on. And I just kept thinking, okay, they've got to, they've got to solve this. They've got to fix this. And I don't know why, because, because I knew, like I knew, I knew mostly because I hadn't seen it right away. Like on opening night, it had been about a week for me before I was able to go. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I saw people just losing their shit all over social media. Like I didn't see specific spoilers, but people were like, <laughs> no, you know. And there was a lot of like, you know, really angry finger wagging, you know, on various social media. And yet still, I was so wrapped up in this movie. I was so wrapped up in everything that was going on that I, I was still surprised by it. <laughs> Okay, well, fair enough. Right. I mean, it's it's hard for me. Again, I read Infinity Gauntlet, you know, forever mm-hmm. ago. Right. And it's a huge part of Infinity Gauntlet that Thanos' whole point is to kill half of everybody. And at a meta level, I knew about the, it used to be two movies, but or it used to be part one and part two, but now it's two movies, which I always thought was a dodge. Yes. Mm-hmm. I didn't know exactly how it would play out, but I always was like, you guys are moving shells around. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> don't three-card money me with this Infinity War business, you know. Right. Um, and then also, again, at the meta level, you know that some contracts are coming up. Oh, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So I, I was expecting deaths, and I was expecting a lot of them. And it also didn't bother me because that's not really – what this thing is about like they have a reality warping MacGuffin right as Mm -hmm. part of the thing undoing it all is on the label at least the possibility you know but not necessarily all of it though right I mean because some of these deaths happened before you know the the vast dusting that went on you know all over the universe right the snapshot yeah the snapshot So, I mean, some of these deaths, like we open up, right? You know, we open up uh, sort of end medius rest and the most medius rest of ends I've ever seen. You know, I mean, it's just for, we're in the middle real. of it. Yeah. Right. Like we open up and we, we get a little bit of, you know, expositional backstory that Thanos has already taken out um, Xandar, which is where the purple infinity stone was. And um, and so he has that. He's looking for the blue one from the Tesseract from Loki and Thor and has apparently... I mean, did I misunderstand this? But it's apparently destroyed everybody who had survived Asgard from the end of Thor Ragnarok. 
So there were some glaring missing faces mm-hmm. from the Asgardian refugees. Yes. Uh, we None of our Sakaar refugees showed up. And most importantly to me personally, we did not see Valkyrie. Uh-huh. And I love Valkyrie, so I was like, "Don't you dare kill Valkyrie on this screen, right. Thanos!" And then she, and then Tessa Thompson didn't show up at all, yeah. right? So, um, so it very much is like this big end media res, and it does look like there's a lot of dead bodies, and maybe there's nobody left from Asgard, but maybe some are because we didn't, you know, see some notable faces. Dead. Yeah, no, I definitely want Valkyrie there. <laughs> definitely want Valkyrie there. Tessa Thompson was fantastic and i loved her so um but also like you know just to say heimdall is the first one to die one of the very few Oh, so systems normal yeah yeah one of the very few you know black characters that we have although we have more now that we've had you know black panther and all of that so that's great then we go into wakanda and of course completely destroy wakanda in the process of having this you know this war happen in this in this final climactic battle scene so if they'd killed valkyrie too i think it would have been a big problem (laughs) yeah i mean um yeah, if you look at it from that perspective, it's uh, it's definitely already kind of a thing. Yeah. But but I will let me speak to your concern that some of these deaths can't be undone. Yeah, the gauntlet. I should stop talking about it like that's a thing. That's comic book stuff left over. Mm-hmm. The Infinity Stones can do anything. Yeah. So it's not it's not that you would be only bringing back the people that died. From the gauntlet, that died from in the, the stones, snapture, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You could bring back more than just the snapshot because you've got the reality warping stone. You've got across time and space and power and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I, I actually expect almost none of, and possibly actually none of the deaths from this movie to stick. Okay, well, Loki can't stick. I really want Heimdall back. I don't care that much about Gamora. <laughs> I'm going to say to you that if I was a betting man, the only one that might stick would be Loki. But I don't actually think it will. I'm just saying of all the down screen deaths in this movie, Loki's is the one that feels like it could actually go the distance. Well, you know, except for the fact that Loki never actually dies. Like how many times have we thought he was dead? (laughs) No, a fair point. Yes. and and the, okay, to be honest, the reason I say that is character stuff. Mm-hmm. Like his attempt to kill Thanos after declaring himself an Odin son yeah. is an ongoing, uh, is like sort of an ongoing change from the end of Ragnarok. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the idea that he would actually sacrifice himself and that that would stick because it was an actual sacrifice. Yeah. It, is it makes story sense, not so much actual details sense, honestly. Well, I'm just saying yeah, and he I mean, could stick. We do that right in the beginning. You know, we're in the middle of this this whole thing, which structurally there's a lot of weirdness kind of going on with Infinity War. We open after he's gotten the purple stone from Xandar and he's getting the blue stone from the Tesseract, right? So that's two of the six stones that he's got to, you know, gather, right? Um, to bedazzle. Yeah. And so <laughs> so we hear off screen, like off screen, he's defeated all these Asgardians. Off screen, he has apparently destroyed Xandar, you know? 
and gotten yeah, the, yeah. the purple stone from that. So, um, so there's so much that seems significant. That seems like we should have seen it, but we start probably like you know well into what would be the first act of this movie. You know, and most of the mm-hmm. movies I complain. Like whenever you hear me complain, you hear me complain that they don't they start you know too late. And this one you know started like they or start too early that they, there's all this stuff that they don't need. And this one's started too late you know so it is a little bit weird you know it's it's just a little bit strange like that that structure and to to be missing all of that stuff now i didn't see guardians of the galaxy 2 yet i've seen 20 minutes of it and then i just i couldn't i'll go back to it later but so i'm presuming the that the whole xandar thing and getting the purple infinity stone is is off screen as well right yeah, okay. totally. Okay. Totally. All right. Now, yeah. and I'll say what I like about that is that you, right off the bat, are both informed and shown yes. that Thanos is next level. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. We are told about Xandar. We come in after he's wrecked all the Asgardians, who admittedly weren't warriors, mm-hmm. except we don't see valkyrie and thor's already beaten Mm -hmm. and then we see him just own the hulk and then we see him kill loki so Mm -hmm. it's both showing and telling yes that Mm -hmm. that this is going to be a whole other thing yeah which is which is cool that's very good the place where it kind of bothers me is that like just showing up and wrecking xandar off screen kind of undoes the end of guardians of the galaxy a little bit yes Mm -hmm. in a way that because I've also heard that that beginning undoes the end of Ragnarok. And I'm like, well, kind of, since it's going to all be put back right there anyway. Right. Like, I'll lay money on it. Yeah. So, so yes to Ragnarok, but definitely to Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, we don't even get to see those people get beat. Right. You well, know? there was so much. You know, I mean, the Guardians of the Galaxy was all about, I mean, of course, saving the universe from Ronan who was losing his mind and you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. But, but you know, guardians of the galaxy, like that, that whole thing happened on Xandar. It was like, no, we saved Xandar. This yeah. is significant, yeah. you know? And then Xandar's just wiped out, you know, an entire planet. And so it feels like, and also we're coming in on, you know, on infinity stone number two, you know? So you would think that it would start with getting the infinity stone number one and then, you know, going through all that, but there's so much, there's so much going on in this movie. And before I can really understand how well the structure works, I would need to see it at least two more times. And I've only seen it. Oh yeah. 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 So I'm still, I'm still kind of processing all of this stuff, but you know, we've got all of these, characters like uh, generally you know with with story structure we've got you know you've got your protagonist who wants something your antagonist who wants something they are locked in a mutually exclusive conflict if one wins then the other must by necessity lose and that's a very simple you know principle of storytelling that's that's how it works Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. so here we have one extremely powerful and getting more powerful as he moves antagonist who is out to you know destroy half the universe or half the living beings in the universe and um and then we've got our protagonists who are 
I mean, it's complicated when you have a group protagonist like you do in um, in Guardians of the Galaxy, right? We've got Quill as our main protagonist <laughs> in that group, but they are a group of protagonists working together. Um, and that happens and that can work. You can have a team that functions, is functionally, you know, a single protagonist because they have a shared goal. But usually there's one protagonist who is the main protagonist in that group. Here we have something I've never seen before, and I still need to sort it all out, where we have a number of group protagonists all in different spaces Mm -hmm. who are coming together as a team and fighting this guy from a bunch of different fronts. And it is, it is a very shattered and scattered protagonist like functionally in the narrative. But I think that it works overall. How did you feel about that? I mean, we have a cast of thousands in this thing. So I really liked that from the longtime comic book nerd perspective yeah. because the let's get the gang together and then break up into smaller groups to go deal with different parts of the problem yeah. is that is minute one. I recently did a superhero university short mm-hmm. one shot mm-hmm. on big event team ups and that is the structure from the very first Story. All right. So this is something that's been done. I mean, I haven't seen it in the movies. We've had single group no, protagonists, but this is yeah, wild. Yeah. So we have a history this of is, this. This is a whole different thing for movies. I've never seen anything like this in a movie, but from comic book perspective, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is when you get a whole big group of people together so and they figure this. out what the problem uh-huh. is. And then they break apart into, you know, twos and threes and fours to come at it from different directions. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, it um it makes writing easier. Yeah. It, you know, uh, you're you're writing these smaller teams that, but you still get to call it this big giant team up. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and and it really is the way the Justice Society of America handled things right from jump because nobody was they were inventing it from nothing, and so nobody was quite sure what to do yeah. with a room full of these guys. So they just split them off into pairs and trios. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it. I have no idea how much Marcus and McFeely or the Russos spent, like how much of their time they spent really reading superhero comics mm-hmm. to 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 get their heads around this. Because if they, but I'll say this: if they reinvented that wheel, it is a well-worn wheel. Yeah, like it's okay. that is the trick. Yeah, well, and it, yeah, it functionally, I mean, I think that it works. I need to spend a little time with it, kind of dissecting it, like with every movie, especially movies that have atypical structures, atypical antagonist, protagonist, you know, structures. Um, I have to really spend some time kind of thinking about it and sort of dissect it like a frog Mm -hmm. and like, look how everything works. But overall, (laughs) you know, my experience with the movie was even though we had like a cast of thousands, there were so many, everybody was in this movie. I could keep like each of the, the lines of antagonism straight. I was following everything. Clearly, Um, I I wasn't terribly confused by it. I was able to follow it through. So so the thing is, bottom line is it worked how it worked. I'm going to need to take a a much, much stronger look at it. But I mean, basically something I've never seen before in, in a movie or even in a book or anything where we've got fractured groups of a protagonist, you know, and but yet all of them coming together to function in the narrative as a protagonist. And so it works because they're all there to do the same thing. Broadly, we have multiple team protagonists. 
But since they all have the same antagonist, even when he's working through lieutenants, yes, you know, that even though there's a you know a half dozen of these smaller team ups, they're all working more or less towards the same goal, just from different directions. Just that different really place. helps, mm-hmm. I think, with the with the keeping track of of uh you know everybody's doing the different things for the same reason. Yeah, you know, no, it was it was very very cool. Um, I liked Tony. So we had Tony working with Doctor Strange, um, and Peter Parker and Hulk. And Doctor Strange's sidekick guy, what was his name? Wong? Wong. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. One of our only Asian Avenger no. people. And of course, I forget his name. Um, but just keeping track of everything is just... And, and Doctor Strange, I'd only seen once. You may have been hoping that his name was something other than Wong. I, I may have been. I may have been. But that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Like, it's okay that his... It's, what his name is is what it is. Um, I like the fact that we have, you know, a, a diverse group or more diverse, definitely, than we than we have necessarily oh, seen yeah, in the yeah. past. I mean, that's really great. Um, we've got Thor, you know, working with the Guardians, which was a really fun mashup for me. I thought that that was really enjoyable. Yes. Um, we've got Black Panther, of course, in Wakanda with everybody in Wakanda. We had Koye, we had Shuri. Um, and so that was great having that group. We have Cap and Sam, Widow and Vision, um, Scarlet Witch, all of them kind of in, in sort of a team. And then, of course, everybody, you know, assembles together for the final climactic battle um, in, in mm-hmm. Wakanda, which is really great. Um, so I, I liked all of that stuff. I thought it was great. The biggest surprise how much I love Thor now. <laughs> okay. I feel entirely justified in trying to get you to like Thor yes. before now. Yes. Because this is the Thor movie I wanted from Jump Street. Okay. I can get behind this guy. I love this guy. I he's I mean, I mean, character wise, he probably couldn't be this guy, but as far as like scope yeah. and what is he doing? Mm-hmm. He should be forging new hammers right? from the hearts of dying stars right. with with magical dwarves that are actually bigger than everybody. I know, I love that. <laughs> I renew my question, why did we go to the damn desert in the first movie when this was a thing that could be done, you know? Um so yeah, yeah, I feel I feel somewhat more justified. I also I also think that as when we get to it, as many problems as you kind of had with like Ragnarok having everything turned up to eleven yeah. and the usual bifurcated uh, conflict for Thor, yes. mm-hmm. where he winds up as a person is so great. Yeah, that and I'm I'm excited we got to see what that looks like here. Um, no, I love a gritty and grimy Thor. I love this guy who's just been through it. I mean, Ragnarok was a fever yeah. dream of weirdness. But I mean, you know, he lost his eye. You know, he's he's had so much loss. He's had so much pain. And that gives Thor kind of just more to him, you know. And you see him mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. he's out there and he's forging the axe. You know, which is such a great and a Stormbringer. Was that the name of the axe? Right? Was that it? Um, Stormbreaker. 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 Okay. Um, so I mean, he's he's forging. He's long 
almost Mjolnir. And of course, and I like that representation too, is that Mjolnir was kind of like the immature weapon for Thor. And then he has to go into the heart of the star and get this new weapon that, that represents like his growth and everything that he's had to fight through and all the damage that he's taken on. And, you know, he's seen Loki be murdered in front of him. And I mean, granted, he's seen Loki die, you know, at least once that I can think of, but you know, Loki, Loki as a trickster God kind of, and even he says, yeah, he comes back a lot, but I think this one is going to stick, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, he's, he's been through, he's seen his planet destroyed. He's seen every, he's lost everything, you know, and here he is. He's learned all the lessons too, right? right? Like that's the big thing for me with Ragnarok. He finally learned what it means to be king. Yeah. In a, in a way that Odin didn't really do. Odin talked about it, but he didn't really do it, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and he finally figured out what that was and then had that yanked out from under him. And and he is a little bit hell-bent for vengeance, yeah. but he still remains this newer, affable, more, I don't know, zen yeah. Thor, you know? Um, I mean, he's there to kick ass and he is very upset that his brother is dead and he's not happy that probably the rest of the refugees are also dead. Yeah. But he still has is able to have like a moment of friendship with Cap. Yeah. You know? No, like, I love it. He's he's just able to hold all of those things at once. And I'm like, this is the guy that I wanted at the end of the first movie. This is the we guy did that not I need wanted, three yes, movies to get there. Through the whole thing. And the so. thing is, is that they're not playing him for stupid jokes. You know, like he is he is gritty and he is damaged and he's been through so much and he still fights. Like, there's no question. There's never a moment where Thor is like, you know what? Fuck this. Like, there's never that moment from (laughs) Thor. He is in. He's going to fight the good fight. Um, The only thing I didn't like about Thor in this was that they gave him his eye back. I don't want him to get his eye back. Although I I do kind of think that the, the rocket collecting body parts thing, it, it feels like it's the kind of thing I would ordinarily hate, but I kind of loved it. You the fact that you get this these little tiny moments of continuity mm-hmm. um and Rocket's fascination with that and the fact that he's like trying to make a deal with Bucky yes. for his arm later. <laughs> it's it's a weird character beat, right. but it also is a thing that makes Rocket Rocket. It you is, know? but it's um, it's so funny and quirky and weird, and so it's kind of fun that of course he has this eye, but I don't want Thor to get his eye back. Like I want Thor to have part of himself is missing he has lost so much i like that we have that loss i mean aside from his hair also just visible on his body you know um i i like that he has that that lost eye and i didn't want him to just get it back you know i i agree and now after after our this conversation i agree even more because one thing about getting the eye back kind of muddied Stormbreaker for me. Yeah. Like I wasn't real hot for him to replace Mjolnir since he kind of outgrew it yeah. in Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. And it and it wasn't until just now when you positioned it as, but this is a king's weapon. Yeah. And he was and I started thinking, he was involved in the forging of this one. Yeah. He, it wasn't given to him. No, he made it, this thing. And he went and he fought for it. And he made this yeah. weapon. Like I love how hard he had to work to create this weapon. And this was a weapon that is created from everything 
that he is and everything that he's learned and it has part of himself in it. So I like that he's got this new axe. I like that it's not a, it's not another hammer. You know, it's an axe like it. There's there's a sharp edge to it, you know, which I really like and I think represents Thor. I, I mean, and everybody who's listened to me and listens to us when we talk about Thor Dark World, when we talk about Thor Ragnarok, I've never been a big Thor fan. Like, I've never enjoyed I tried Thor. my best. I know, but I <laughs> love this guy. I mean, I loved Thor in this movie from beginning to end. It was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I mean, and, and I really... I really was saying this is this is what I wanted in the first Thor movie. Like this is one of the reasons I was so disappointed with a lot of the decisions yeah. in the first Thor. I, I know it was early in the experiment. I know all the reasons to not do this right. in the beginning, right? But you know, when it when when I'm still like, yeah, I don't know, it's still super boring. Um <laughs> yes, we've had worse yeah. <laughs> since then. It has happened, but I mean, yeah. Um it's because this was this was the kind of thing that I wanted, like a, a space fairy tale. Yeah. Crazy, no, but I mean, know? that's the thing. Like, if you're going to go galactic, if you're going to go like the reason why you have gods is so that you can have this this like metaphor on this galactic scale. Yeah. And they never worked the metaphor. They played him literally. And I want that I want that deep metaphor of of you know life and the meaning of the universe and all of this stuff on mm-hmm. that scale. And I feel like we get it here. Like there's so much meaning in in Stormbreaker, you know? Yes, yes. And it's meaning I missed a little bit because I was kind of like, well, they give him his damn hammer back. Right. They give him his eye back. No, and, I love it. I mean, it's definitely a level up, but you just yeah, like I'm all I'm a thousand percent behind. Yeah, uh, Stormbreaker. No, that's a, so, that's a, um, he was a boy. Mjolnir was a boy's weapon. This is a man's weapon on his scale, like on his where he is. Like yeah, this Thor yeah. is grown the hell up and I love him. I love him so much. I was so pleased to finally, because I'm always the one who's coming down on Thor, right? And everybody's always like, why are you going to be <laughs> such a jerk to Thor? And people get mad at me and, you know, and I like loving things. I don't like hating things, but I've always hated Thor. <laughs> and it's so much fun. It is so like, um, you know, like gratifying for me just to be able to be like, I love Thor. <laughs> Do you know, one of my favorite things about stuff going on around yeah. Thor mm-hmm. was everybody's reaction to him. Yeah. Like we didn't even really get this in Avengers as much as maybe we should have. Mm-hmm. It, it might've kind of brought Tony and Steve down a little bit. Whereas with the guardians just being like, Oh no, we're really into him. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, it's a lot easier for star Lord to be threatened by, the fact that Thor exists than it is for, you know, Captain America or Iron Man, I guess. Right, but, um, yeah. mm-hmm. I really liked everybody else's reaction, like even Drax when he was like, no, no, this is a man. Right. You know, um, <laughs> I saw I saw a fantastic tweet that was uh, I wish I could attribute it because it just made me laugh mm-hmm. so hard. But it was like uh, it's Star- it's Star Lord. You know, it's, it's all text. It's a tweet. But right. it's like Star Lord says um, Star Lord says, I don't like men. And then it's like dot 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 Thor enters. I marry them, you know. <laughs> right, because Thor like, always yeah. has this thing, and Thor does kind of have this. There's always this element of just like you know base sexuality to Thor, 
you know, because everybody's like, it's it's yeah, always yeah. this thing. Like women, when they see him, the women who are smart, women who are, you know, who are like have more depth, have more everything. Like they get around Thor, and they're just like, ooh, you know. And it's never been my favorite thing about Thor. Yes, he's pretty, but I like the other things about him more. I value more what a fighter he is. I value more his sense of right and wrong and and honor. You know, yeah. like these yeah. are the things about Thor that I love and yeah he's hot but hot isn't worth anything like who this character is is worth it so in this movie when everybody's hot for Thor which is normally you know a a thing that that annoys me I kind of I was like yeah I dig it I'm in I'm in (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah you know I'm yeah I'm quite unexpectedly a little attracted to Thor. I didn't I see that coming I after know. 700 movies. He'll shift you right down to the really scale, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I showed up in love in, with Cap's beard oh. only. But nope. No. What do you know? Cap's beard. Bearded Cap. That's another thing. Bearded Cap. That's sad Cap. Right. You know, I mean, Cap has been through so much. Cap is just a an endless parade of sadness and loss. That's just Cap, you know. And so we get him here and he's he's edgier, too. Like, you know, they've all been through so much and to see the effects of that on them. So, I mean, Cap, of course, is also one of my big surprises, although from the beginning, I have loved Cap, you know, all the way through every, you know, time Cap shows up, even though he's a capital G good guy, which I never particularly like. Um, I've always loved Cap. And I think that what we see in Cap, even though we don't see a lot of him um, in this movie, has that element to it. He's just been through so much. And Cap is just tired, man. He's too tired to shave. Yeah. Well, uh, so I kept, even from the moment that I first saw, Mm -hmm. like, concept art for what he was going to look like, I kept calling him Soviet propaganda Captain America. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, he's like, he's working. His sleeves are rolled up. Mm -hmm. He has work gloves on. He has the beard. Yeah. And, and yeah, it is. It is a... um, I don't I don't really see so much like a world weariness, but I definitely see a weariness like, well, we're going to keep doing this, but I could really use a break and I just don't get one. I don't even have time to change clothes. Yeah. You know, he's had he's had so much loss. And the thing is, is that like when he woke up, you know, in 2011, 2012, whenever it was right, you know, when he woke up from that moment, it has been he's been struggling with that loss, not just of, you know, like the potential and the love with Peggy Carter and all of that, but just he lost everything, like his whole life. He, he, he lost found, his purpose. Right. You know, he found Bucky again, which is nice. But um, but it is like he is. I love them together. I know. I know. It's so wonderful. But he's like you know, Cap is this man out of time. He doesn't belong mm-hmm. here. You know, and like he's always just somewhat like phase shifted in everything that he's in. He can never really belong. And I I find it so sad and almost insurmountable for him. And so the only thing he has is the fight for what's right. And he will, mm-hmm, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. he fights. He doesn't waver. We don't have dark cap. 
you know <laughs> i mean we have not really yeah 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 we have he's gritted up like the right. the, the shines off right you know but, but he's still cat. but he's still him he's not going dark yeah, he's yeah. not he's not having a struggle with you know is this worth it should i just go bad and kill everybody should i just get drunk all the time like it's that's not who he is you know we see we see tony struggle a lot more you know, with who he is and, and what it is that he's fighting for, you know, more than we see Cap. Cap never wavers. But I like edgy, gritty, you know, grungy Cap. I like this guy who's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to shave. You're just going to have to deal with it. You know? Um, and we didn't see a lot of him, but God, I liked what we got. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. And broadly, if there's a place that I wanted more from this movie, I wanted to see more of the personalities bouncing off yeah. one another mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um and if there's a drill down into that for s- specific one of those i wanted to see more of steve and bucky together yeah. you know mm-hmm. um this this well this hole this complete bucky barnes yes i said he's one of the two options for replacing steve rogers as captain america and i could see this bucky mm-hmm. really also looking for his new purpose right through Steve's purpose Mm -hmm. like I could see that and I I hope we get a little more time of them together before that's the thing that happens you know right um, if that's what happens because because Sam is also comic book wise another on deck potential Captain America right right because Sam is somebody that he's connected with you know he hasn't really connected on that level with anybody who wasn't there in the 40s you know right Sam is the only one who wasn't there in the 40s that that cap can kind of connect with a little bit but of course both of them were taken up in the snapture you know so yep. cap's two yep. best friends like the last connections that cap kind of has anchoring him in this time and space it's just gone you know and i mean i kind of yeah. like yeah. i don't know what's going to happen like and i of course haven't read all the comics i don't know what's going to happen but we have these infinity gauntlets right that have the ability to mm-hmm. to alter reality and to turn back time and i kind of feel like god if you could put cap back in the 40s like if that's how we say goodbye to cap because i think we're going to say goodbye to cap in the next one i just i just have a feeling right but i mean if there was a way that they could use that to to reverse everything and then we see him going to that date with peggy making the date man That'd kill me. I don't know. That's a thing. I don't know if they can do that. I don't know if they can do that, but I would that, love to see it. The That would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. I bet we don't see that because it undoes so it much undoes of the existing so much. But if it's an alternate MCU, reality. Yeah. If it's a if it's an infinite multiple in the universe soul gym. Kind of thing, yeah. 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 Well, and I mean, I mean, that's definitely what if comics, if the comics ever wanted to do something like that, that's how they would do it. Right. Like it's just it's 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 a separate offshoot reality. So it doesn't really change any of our stuff. Right. I don't know that the MCU is quite prepared to snarl its own continuity that hard. I don't know. that it would. What is this? An X-Men movie? Right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that it would. And I'm not sure that I want it to, because I think that it undoes all of Cap's everything that he's had to deal with. Like if you can just go and reverse things easily, you know, it doesn't really, but, yeah. but part of me, that's just fan. That's just fan fiction. That's just like what I would love to see after all of this, that cap gets his ending with Peggy, you know, that's an interesting, like happy ending for him. But I also feel like it's almost just as happy an ending mm-hmm. 
if he goes out fixing the universe. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, right. like, that's a thing where Steve, Steve would let himself off the hook after that. Yeah. Like, Steve would be like, okay, I have literally saved the universe. I can well, probably take a damn vacation. Well, or, you know, or I think we're going to lose Cap one way or the other. I think we're definitely, I feel like we're definitely going to lose Cap in the next Infinity War. And I mean, let's not forget, Cap is the sacrifice play, right? What have we seen him do all along? He always throws himself on the grenade. So if there is, if he trades his life and everybody else gets theirs back, I don't even see him struggling with that for a second. Like, I think he's, I think he's done. I think that he's been here. He's done this fight. He's been fighting for good. You know, I think that if it was big enough, he could throw himself on that grenade knowing that there were other heroes to keep fighting, you know? Here's the thing. I agree that that's probably how it's going to go down. I just, that's right, prediction time, think it's going to be Tony that does it. Well, no, that's the other thing, too. I was thinking about that, too, that it would... It could be both of them. I mean, honestly, we could, it lose, could. It you know, could. lose both of them in the next one. But I mean, the next one, we're definitely going to have some deaths that stick. I think we're we're we've we're going to be able to rewind or reverse or, you know, undo a lot of what happened in Infinity War. But I think that in the in the next one, there's some of the stuff is going to stick. And Tony, I think, is ready for that sacrifice. And oh, my God. I mean, let's talk about Tony for a little bit. How did you feel about Tony in this movie? Um, this, uh, okay, I really enjoyed that this feels like a Tony who has actually changed in a meaningful way. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's like real legit with Pepper and he's talking mm-hmm. about starting a family or at least yeah. that's a concept that had been foreign to him until then. But, you know, now right. he's not freaking out at the idea. Even the, um, even the like next generation armor is... He says it's because I have to protect you. He says that to Pepper, but he doesn't have that kind right. of like edge of panic about it that he would have had in Iron Man 3, you know. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. um, he really feels like he's come a long way. He's been literally carrying around the phone that will call Captain America for years just have it in his pocket. Oh my Um, God, the flip phone, the flip phone. (laughs) I mean, and I love what the flip phone represents as well, because this is Tony Stark, ultimate, you know, expanded technology. Like his technology in the movies is 15 years beyond where we Uh are now. And nobody has a flip phone, you know, that he has this flip phone that is his connection to cap. Mm Mm-hmm. To the man out of time. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And he carries that around with him. I think we finally saw him do some sort of mentory fatherly things for Peter, you know? Yes. Um, And of course, Mm -hmm. Peter being snapshot at the end just is a gut punch for us and also for Tony. Oh, my God. That was Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the listen. Every single one of those snapshot deaths was chosen to punch us in the gut. Every single one. Exactly. Um, Exactly. Did it make any narrative sense? Did it hurt you? Then yes. The Russos do not care about you. (laughs) You know, (laughs) then it's okay, Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that's that's actually I feel like Tony's moved to the place. And you and I have talked about this. So I think if there's a. If there's a theme for Tony's character, it's the idea that he does the right thing in a, well, this is what Cap would do kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? And I can right. actually mm-hmm. see him, you know, saying he's going to do it with Cap and then, like, yeah. 
trip and cap so that he's the only one who goes. And right. I think we're set up for this because the gauntlet mm-hmm. is destroyed at the end of the movie. And Peter Dinklage's character had said he that Thanos had him create the gauntlet so he could control the gems. Yeah. Well, if you have somebody putting it all back together without the assistance of the glove, they're going to burn out. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw that a little bit with Star-Lord right. at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And they better not give it to Star-Lord to fix because I am now way over Star-Lord. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I didn't care about any of the Guardians. I really didn't. I mean, I liked Rocket and, and you know, Groot's adorable, you know, but God, I yeah. just didn't care. I didn't care about Gamora. I didn't care about Quill. A Drax? Could they just take Drax forever? <laughs> yes, for real. I I cared about Gamora and Nebula. Yeah. Mostly because they finally did sister stuff with them yeah. that I enjoyed mm-hmm. in Guardians 2. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. all, again, this is the stuff that I would have liked to have seen in Guardians 1 that would have made Gamora have any kind of motivation at all. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really cared a lot about Gamora and Nebula because this is them dealing with both their sister, some more of their sister issues mm-hmm. and their dad issues. Yeah. You know, I'm just kind of, this is something of my problem with Tony Stark too. Although, to be honest, he pales in comparison mm-hmm. to to Quill. But I'm just kind of over this big man child swaggering yeah. hero thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm not saying there's no way to make it work. And I enjoyed both Guardian movies a lot, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. but he's tough to swallow. And I mean, I like Chris Pratt. I like Chris Pratt a lot. I think he's got a fantastic sense yeah, of humor. Yeah. He's got great timing. I think he's a really good actor. I just don't particularly care for the characters and the way that they're written. And and Gamora and Nebula. Yeah. No, like I, Nebula, yeah. I've never, I've never particularly cared for Nebula because I never really knew where she, like, I, I felt like she was just this you know, plot device rather than an actual character. And so I never really got a good sense from her. I did like that we have, you know, Gamora, the Nebula's being tormented, you know, and Gamora, you know, breaks down to save Nebula and that kind of thing. And so that was, you know, that was nice. But I don't know, the whole thing, like, I I didn't care about the Guardians. I wasn't interested in any of that stuff. You know, like, as as for all of them, I wasn't with them. But you know what I found surprisingly powerful and effective was was Scarlet Witch and Vision. Oh, really? Tell me about that, because I super didn't care about them either. <laughs> I did. I completely believed their whole relationship. I mean, the thing is, like, I've never been that, uh, I don't know, moved by Vision, I guess, as yeah. a character. You know, um, I, I didn't find him compelling at all when I've seen him before, but I really liked both of them in this you know particular thing like i loved how invested they were in each other i believed that relationship i was invested in it which i wasn't expecting because i've never been you know that into either one of them really yeah you know? no, I, um, yeah. we had some we had some good witch moments in in age of ultron but um yeah yeah i don't know i i i think probably my bad taste over vision that's still left over from age of ultron is standing in the way of me really caring about them um yeah i i did i did approve of it's a little it's a little out of nowhere but i like the idea yeah. that she has the right type of power to destroy that stone which would stop yeah thanos like it's on yeah. theme for the movie which is we don't trade lives 
Mm-hmm. You right. know, mm-hmm. which and the thing that the thing that I've been thinking about a lot and I can't wait to see the movie again so I can think about this while I'm watching it, you, you know, if it's forefront in my mind is that everybody yeah. who says that, I mean, Captain America says it a lot, but there's other people who say variations on we don't trade lives are people right. who would happily trade their lives and kind of have in one way or the Tony traded his yeah. life at the mm-hmm. end of Avengers. He did not expect to live. Yeah. Cap has yeah. done it at the end of the war, you know. They right. say they don't, but they do. No, they don't trade other people's lives. Like, that's the thing, is that they make that choice for themselves. That's the sacrifice play. But isn't but that what Vision's doing? Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he can't yeah. do it on his own. He is asking the woman he loves an impossible thing. But at the same time, yeah. it's the universe. And isn't that what he's doing, too? He's saying, if yeah. taking me off the board saves everybody... You know, I, I mean, it's it, not. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I guess that part was the most compelling part of that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. This is a place where um, sort of serialized comic books might have had a better chance at making me care about them because they'd obviously been doing this uh, uh, sneak right. off from opposite sides of the fence right. to meet up thing for a while. Mm-hmm. And if I'd ever gotten to see that before it was broken. I might have cared yes. a little more. There mm-hmm. are there are things mm-hmm. that this movie does that are very big superhero comic book event that they do better than the mm-hmm. comic books. Honestly, this is one that yeah. it kind of falls apart. Like I want to know what the Secret Avengers have been up to. You know, um, yeah. I want to mm-hmm. see what Vision has to go through to sneak away to meet Scarlet mm-hmm. Witch. Like I want to hear the conversation yeah. when Tony goes. Now listen, dude. Everybody knows why you're sneaking away. So let's just lay these Mm. cards on the table you know i want to see that stuff (laughs) anyway that might have made me care more so but but in the end i really liked how on theme they were you know yeah i was very surprised by how how much i bought that relationship considering that i didn't you know really like prior to this yeah i didn't really care that much you did not go in with your pump Um, primed for being invested in uh, wanda and vision i can see that right Right. So I don't know if it was just the performances or the the way that those scenes were written or whatever, but it actually really worked for me. Um, another character that I found interesting was Dr. Strange. And especially, you know, I mean, one of the things that drives me crazy about it, and, you know, I know the character is American, but you have Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> you use the English accent. Like, why? No, I'm you still know, here for why it. Would you not? I'm still here for the most me. generic American accent ever. It's like generic and <laughs> I'm here for it. No, you have Cumberbatch. Let him be English. But anyway, that's been a problem I've had since the first <laughs> Doctor Strange movie. But um, but I mean, here we have him and he goes through this whole he's got this time stone, right? Or the, was mm-hmm. it the his was time his was time but then he says to tony i'm not gonna rescue you i'm not gonna you know any of this kind of stuff and then he does and he says he saw 14 million different outcomes all of which they lose but then he gives the stone he just hands it over and he says it's the only way so i mean for me like that of course is the is the thing that tells us that because he gave him the stones he, they had to give thanos all the stones he had to get all the stones yeah. in order for what in order for whatever it is that's going to happen to happen and reverse it all you know that that was the one in 14 million outcomes that he saw you know so i mean that gives me some a sense of security that you know that that what is happening is what is supposed to happen and that when we get to the next movie everything is going to be okay you know um 
So I thought mm-hmm. that, that was yeah, I thought totally. That was neat. No. Oh, the seeds are planted. The seeds are yeah, planted. No, they're, they're planted in reality-altering mm-hmm. MacGuffin. Yes. They're planted in Doctor Strange being the only person who says we do trade in lives and then changing his mind. Right. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, 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 totally. Strange though, in general, I didn't care for his movie. I don't really care about him here. There is something about the reality warping that for me makes me it makes me feel like I don't even understand like what is going on in this space with him. Um, so how do you feel about Doctor Strange? So, I mean, we'll obviously talk more about this when we get to his movie, but I generally found his movie pretty much, you know, oatmeal, no raisins, no cinnamon, you know, um, right. <laughs> It's very pretty, but uh-huh. but a, a yeah, thing it is beautifully done. Will will and again, so much to talk about here, but um, really, the Iron Man movie stole his shtick. Like he's the yeah. oh, he's the original Marvel heel turn, where he is just a horrible mm-hmm. human who then winds up dedicating yeah. his life to selfless acts of being. The, it's not it's not fun to be Sorcerer Supreme. It sucks. So, yeah, it was pretty bland. I felt in you know his stuff in the movie, but at the same time, I was like, what are you gonna do? Make him more Tony Stark right. and and the answer might have been mm-hmm. yes like like it might have been to make him really horrible as an interpersonal type person yeah and mm-hmm. we'll get to it but I liked him yeah. a lot more in Infinity War because I felt like this is the Doctor Strange that I have mostly dealt with in the comics the guy who knows what's up right and shows up mm-hmm. to tell you what's up and I also like because mm-hmm. again I have Tony Stark issues I like that he's the guy who was yeah. taking the piss out of Tony constantly Right. Sure. I appreciate that space, you know. Uh-huh. It's better. It's better than his movie. It's better but I liked him better in Ragnarok than I did in his own movie probably for the same reasons, you know. Yeah. Yeah. His movie was just it was too much and I didn't, you know, I just wasn't that interested in it. When you talk about origin stories and it's like a box we have to check before we can get to the good yeah. stuff. It's like, that's not true for Iron Man. It's not necessarily true. It's not true at all for First Avenger. It is true, I feel, for Doctor Strange, which doesn't mean you can't like it. It was entertaining, Mm -hmm. but it was also like, okay, now we can do the Doctor Strange stuff we actually want to do. So Exactly. Now we've got the Doctor Strange that we need for this universe and we can move on with him being a secondary. Like, I like him as a secondary character in somebody else's movie, you know, yeah, but as a yeah. main character. Yeah, it's kind of tough. And of course, we'll talk about that more when we get to the Doctor Strange movie. Um, the other thing I want to ask you about is Banner. What the hell with Banner? One thing, though, that I do appreciate is that every time he couldn't bring out the Hulk, nobody made the, oh, don't worry, it happens to all the guys joke. I was waiting for that. I was so glad when it didn't happen. We didn't need an erectile dysfunction, you know, metaphor going on here with Hulk. But that out of the way, and thank God they didn't do that. Um, I, I feel like I missed something. I didn't understand what the purpose was behind Banner not being able to bring Hulk out that I kind of like, and this is one of the things that we sort of saw in, in Ragnarok, this real like division of personalities Mm -hmm. that Hulk is in there and he is conscious and he has his own agency, you know, that he is a separate person inside Banner, you know, and he's actively resisting Banner. I didn't, quite understand how that was all working or why he couldn't pull him out or what was happening did that make sense to you it did i think okay good that the hulk was afraid to come out 
uh-huh. because he got beat handily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's mm-hmm. the Hulk is essentially a five year old with all the power ever. Right. He's never been told no right. in a way that he couldn't overcome. Certainly not in a physical right. altercation. I mean, this is, a, a, mm-hmm. again, the matter Hulk gets the stronger Hulk gets right. Like um, Fenris gets a tooth in him and that's it for Fenris. You know, um, <laughs> oh, it looked bad until you really pissed him off, you know. Um, yeah. But here. He's a child. He is a, a child yeah. who's never been beaten, who is now hiding from the fact that he might get beaten again. Um, right. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I think was going on. Like he he was not so much resisting. It wasn't so much that Banner couldn't make it happen. It was the fact that Hulk was like, no, I am going to hide yeah. inside here because out there is mm-hmm. suddenly actually scary. Right. But isn't it scarier as Banner than it is. I mean, I can see Hulk. Oh, not, the Hulk is not like a Banner rational not being. Coming out. <laughs> You've got all to, right. All right. Fair you, enough. Again, five year old, five year old. You have got to go in with this. He is a toddler. Right. But when we need him to be rational, when we need him to like, you know, have like, you know, Avengers, puny God, like this whole thing. Like, so we're so yeah, inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah. I think, no, with totally. Hulk. Totally. You yeah. know, that, that I don't really understand it. And I don't know, like I felt like I and I love Banner and I like Hulk, you know, but I just like in this movie, he felt extraneous. Oh, yeah. He no, felt totally. Like he wasn't yeah. doing much like there wasn't. And, and his whole internal struggle with not being able to bring Hulk out didn't feel like it wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't make sense in the beginning. It ran all the way through. We never got the moment where he was able to bring Hulk out, like he was able to overcome this thing. Mm-hmm. It was just a, a problem from all the way through, and we never moved with it. Like we never went anywhere with it. It's just he can't bring Hulk out, and he still can't bring Hulk out. And here we are. It's the end, you know. And that's it. I wonder. It would be a big deal, but I wonder if they mm-hmm. are going to do some kind of uh, personality integration. Yeah. Where that's the only way they can work it out. This has been done in the comics a couple of different times in a couple of different ways. So okay. um, mm-hmm. that would be a massive change for the MCU, especially considering it would not happen in a Hulk movie. Right. It's a lot of interiority yeah, right. for Infinity War 2, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm right. not sure what else they're doing there. Except, I mean, he'd, to, be, to be honest, he was going to be extraneous anyway because he'd already been taken out by Thanos in two seconds. What's he going to do the rest of the time? You know? Right, right. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if they were going to do something, like, do something. Like, you, if you're going to give us a situation where Banner can't get Hulk to come out, you have to change that. You have to, to move that story you know, throughout. And instead, every time we went to Hulk, it's just Banner really trying and, you know, and being like the the superhero version of Constipate. He just can't do it. Right. You know, Um, so. Wow. Interesting. So we're dodging erectile dysfunction, but going to bowel trouble. Got it. I'm going straight to IBS. That's right. That's right. I did it. Um, But yeah, so I don't know. Like it's, it's a weird thing. I didn't quite follow it. I didn't particularly care for it. I mean, I like Banner. I like Hulk, but I didn't feel like we like we did anything with it. We'll we'll see in the next movie. But um, there yeah. are a few. I mean, we're going to talk about how this was actually a a total package, honestly. But if there were a few yeah. things that felt like, oh, we're definitely laying track for the next movie. 
Banner and Hulk yeah. is is a big neon sign for that. The rest of them I felt were pretty uh, yeah. subtle, but that one's like we're not paying that off until next summer, <laughs> you know. Until next time, right? Exactly. Which, which you know, I find a little frustrated because, like you said, like this is a complete story arc. You know, this is not a cliffhanger ending. You know, this is a complete story arc. In order for a story to be complete, right, we have an antagonist, we have a protagonist. They're locked in a mutually exclusive conflict. One of them wins, one of them loses. Now, ordinarily, it's the protagonist that wins. Ordinarily, it's a happy ending, right? You know, Mm -hmm, or at mm -hmm. least a a moderately happy ending. Um, In this, the antagonist won. But the thing is that for the purpose of narrative structure, it doesn't matter who wins. It doesn't matter. What matters is that the conflict is resolved. And in the end, this conflict is resolved resolved Thanos wins you know so it is a complete legit complete story arc it absolutely works I mean I know it's the first part of a two-parter but it it, you know a cliffhanger is when you don't finish the conflict is when everything is is still out there and we don't know what's going to happen this conflict is done and so I gotta say you know, as as unhappy, you know, as a lot of it made me as difficult as it was. <laughs> um, this is a legit, complete story in a package. Yeah, I agree. The, the way that I tend to talk about that is that mm-hmm. you have a story question, you know, and yeah. this is this is language I actually kind of had to bring together to talk about noir fiction. Right. Because you have a mm-hmm. story question. And in noir, the answer is no. Like most stories, the answer yeah. is yes. Can the hero do the right. thing? Mm-hmm. Yes. In noir, mm-hmm. it's at yes. best, yeah, but, you know, and usually yeah, it's but. no. No, noir is definitely yeah, but. And this is a no. <laughs> There's always a price in noir. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the best you get is yeah, but. Usually or often yeah. it's no. And and that's what yeah. this is. It's not. This is your Empire Strikes Back ending, right? Like, are we in mm-hmm. good shape? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not lost. But but the story arc is complete. Yes. The story question has been answered. Yes, exactly. 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 So, I mean, it, it works functionally as a story, which I really appreciate. Had it been a cliffhanger ending, I would be thrown a fit right now. But it wasn't. It was legit. Now, they may go back, you know, and start a new conflict, you know, and, and launch that in order to reverse everything to turn yeah, it around. Yeah, definitely. That is also legit. That is also legit. That's what a series is. You know, you have a complete story arc and then you have another complete story arc. A series is not, you know, you have these things and none of them are complete until you get to the end. You know, like that's, 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 that's one story, right? So this is actually working out really well, I think, with that. One of the things, though, that I really thought was interesting and I'm not sure. I mean, I think it was a good call for Infinity War. I think it made Infinity War better and a stronger story. But in the overall arc of everything we've, we've seen from Thanos, it felt inconsistent, is this humanizing the inhuman. It's this humanizing of Thanos, that he is out to do this thing because in the end, a lower population is going to be better for everyone. That he is in a strange way looking to kill half the universe to save all of the universe. You know, that it is it is the ends justify the means kind of mm-hmm. thing. And also the humanizing of him with his supposed love of Gamora. We see that moment where he's destroying half of her planet and he pulls her aside and he has her look away and he talks to her in this very kind of kind 
way yeah, yeah. even as he's killing her family you know and her and, and destroying her world or half of it you know i found that kind of interesting yet wholly inconsistent with the evil for evil's sake i'm living on a atmosphereless rock in the middle of a dark universe <laughs> like he had every you know evil bad guy element to him you know the, throughout all of his end credit kind of things where we'd see thanos, thanos show up you know so I found it kind of interesting. I think it was a good call. It felt very inconsistent. It felt like we hadn't been, they hadn't played fair with us in the earlier parts where they showed us Thanos and he was just, you know, blanket evil. Right. So what did you think about that? (laughs) I, I have what I feel is a very legitimate pushback against that, that you won't like, which is. Okay, good. Go for it. We have never actually seen any characterization at all from Thanos. So technically, this mm-hmm. is not inconsistent. No, I, I fair enough, but when we have seen him, I we've mean we've seen tropes. him a couple of times. Like he's had he's had these little cameos and he's always been like the the complete like complete embodiment yeah. of cold evil. Yeah, he is a collection of tropes. And Gamora and Nebula talking about him and who he is, like the idea that he that he has capacity for love has been completely like that is a complete surprise for yeah, this movie. Yeah. I like it. I think it makes it better, but it does feel inconsistent to me. Well, I, I feel like if any, if you were going to make a case, the capacity to actually love Gamora might count as an inconsistency, mm-hmm. except at the same time, it also feels like literally the only time he has ever let anyone into his heart. So Yes. I, and and I am I am being somewhat snarky about how little Thanos <laughs> we've gotten before now that yeah. it, it can't yeah. be inconsistent because he hasn't been a character before, you know. Um Right. But but yeah, I mean it's they were wise to finally do something with him in the movie where he's going to be the bad guy. So Yeah. No, I'm glad that they did. We shouldn't be surprised yeah. with the gang that put this movie together actually giving him some humanizing. Giving him vulnerability. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like you give him vulnerability. Vulnerability is how we connect with each other as humans. Vulnerability is how we connect with these characters. And when you have a bad guy who's just a bad guy for being a bad guy's sake, it's always flat. You know, yeah. when you've yeah. got vulnerability, when you've got when you've got somebody who does bad things, but for, you know, ostensibly like good reasons or for what they think are good reasons. I think that that's interesting now the thing with thanos and again like i saw it once might have missed it my understanding is he wants to destroy half of humanity or half of you know humanity but like you know existence half of life in the universe to make space for the remaining half to thrive with enough resources and all this kind of stuff Um, that felt, I mean, one of the things that, you know, I talk about with narrative theory is that a goal should be, you know, active, specific, personal, and achievable. And we have active, specific, and achievable. (laughs) I don't really see how this is personal for Thanos, how this is something that he is going to feel so strongly about that he will sacrifice the one thing he loves, supposedly, which would be Gamora, right? Did did you see something else in there that I missed? Um, I mean, it's not great, but they did have this him explaining what happened to his home planet. Yeah. And yeah. how 
he was a proponent of a lottery to decide which half should live and which half should die. And nobody went with it. And now look around. It's it's completely broken, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. I mean, that certainly makes it personal. Like if you watch yeah. your planet fall into that kind of degradation and you felt that your idea could solve it, you, you know, now it's personal. Right, but we don't see it. We don't see like Mama Thanos or Daddy Thanos sure, or Cousin yes. Thanos or anybody personally. Like, he has no like the only thing he has are these daughters that he has stolen from other places. But like we don't see anybody that he's loved having suffered because of that. We we also don't see. I mean, not that there's room or space for it really because this this movie is packed like. Yeah, a suitcase yeah. and someone who wants one carry on and that's it, you know? <laughs> um, so, I mean, it is, it is kind of insane, but, but because we don't see that, we don't see the devastation that he's trying to prevent. We sure. don't see yeah. that he lost some, or he lost something that was important to him because people wouldn't make the hard choice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not, you're not wrong. I guess the only justification I would make there is that, we are shown a before and an after. We just don't get the in-between with his planet. Right, and we are right, dealing right. with a kind of ridiculous scale. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It would sort of muddy the waters if he had a personal stake in his planet instead of it just being his planet, you know? Right. Because we have a personal stake in Gamora. He's going out and destroying, like, all of these places. He killed half the people on Gamora's planet. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like he's just he's so into being right about this thing that like he has to prove that he's right or whatever, because it's it's really great when you have an antagonist and you can look at him and say, OK, like you're wrong, but I can kind of see where you're coming from. Like, yeah, I can see yeah. how you got here, you know, because I think that that makes a much more interesting and crunchy conflict, you know. Um, but for him, it was like they got most of the way there and they just didn't like land it for me. I don't disagree, but I also mm-hmm. showed up prepared for right, relatively right. empty mm-hmm. big event, you know. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And so the fact that they gave him anything any kind of humanizing hook with Gamora. I was like more than I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah. I I was absolutely more than I was expecting for Mm -hmm. Marvel villains, especially like they don't get a lot. So to give him anything when, when he didn't need it, like um, this is a, a, a lot of times with the big crossover events, the threat is literally existential, right? So we don't have to worry about that personal hook. It's the Mm -hmm. universe, you know, and then along the way, something might happen that makes it more personal. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of an iconic cover from the midpoint of Crisis of Infinite Earths that has Superman holding Supergirl's broken, lifeless body. And he's just, you know, in tears over it. And I was like, well, look, he's Superman. He was already fighting against the universe destroying threat. But now they made it personal, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but, you know, that's usually something that happens along the way because it's literally Mm -hmm. existential. You guys kind of need to get off the bench. And anyway, I, I, I'm not. I'm certainly not disagreeing with your characterization of uh, of Thanos being a little thin, but that's basically mm-hmm. every Marvel villain who isn't Killmonger. 
Right. But I like when they give the villains like Killmonger was great that they, you know. Yeah. The bar is raised. Yeah. Yes. No, absolutely. And I think the having having antagonists who you can you can see where they're coming from. Like, you're not right, but I can see where you're coming from. You know, I can see how you got there. Mm -hmm. I tell you this. I would argue against you much harder if they had given us better than average villains in all the other movies, but it was this big event one where it was like, how the hell are we supposed to make this personal to 200 people? It's fine. You know, right? but they've kind of glossed over it in a lot of the other movies. So I'm probably more on your side than I sound. I just showed up prepared, I guess, you know? (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, evil for evil's sake is one of the things that we get a lot. Speaking of evil for evil's sake, um, how surprised were you to see Red Skull show up? Yeah, that was uh, that was never on my menu of possibilities. I got to be honest. It was. <laughs> it's nice that they closed the loop, but I'm also sort of sort yeah. of weirded out by Monk on the mountaintop, Red Skull. This is a right? weird no, choice. It is weird. <laughs> it is weird. I know. Yeah, I don't know. It was. Uh, it felt out of nowhere. You know, this yeah, guy very just much. shows up and he's and he's there with this much more philosophical outlook on <laughs> existence at this point. Well, he's apparently had eternity to think about things. And I guess, uh, you know, you sit there in your little eternal space and think about what you've done, Red Skull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh-huh. And that's what happens. That's what that's what a, a really big timeout will do for you. Look at that. It's justifying an entire style of parenting. What do you know? There you go. Absolutely. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah, that was really unexpected. And I like that they didn't do much more with it than that. Like, like it's a little bit like yeah. a bigger picture version of those mentions of Roxxon or something. Yeah, It's right. bigger than mm-hmm. that. It's bigger than that, but we didn't make it bigger than it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It was surprising. All right. So I think that covers most of the things that I wanted to hit. Is there anything that uh, that you want to talk about that we haven't talked about yet? What Before we leave Thanos, I want to sort of use our hot take to oh. respond to another hot take that I have seen, which is people asking if Thanos has this big plan, why did it never occur to him to just make enough resources for everybody? And I just want to say, because he's the villain, you guys. Mm hmm. Yeah, right, right. He He's not in this for altruism. In fact, your characterization of him being so committed to his own concept of rightness, you know, yeah. it gives me a character hook for this. But honestly, he is the bad guy. And one thing I like about supervillains is that they tend to have a shtick that makes them a little myopic, you know? So right. why mm-hmm. would he change his mind now? I mean, listen, bigger picture. Yes, that's what we'd li- that's what I'd like to think I would do instead of murdering half the people is just make twice the stuff. Right, if you have infinite power, can you just make more resources? Exactly. I think the fact that that doesn't occur to him speaks to his essential villainy. Exactly. That it is it is the way his mind works that makes him a villain. It is what people do with the power given to them that makes them a villain. Like when you have no power, you know, your choices are limited anyway. You know, yeah. when you have the power to make a choice and you make that choice. And I think part of it was, this is what he decided it was supposed to be. 
And yes, so when he yes. had the power, he was so stuck in that mindset that I don't think it ever would have occurred to him that he could have done something. He could have, you know, thought about something else. Like, you know, whenever my students, I send them out to give me their final ideas for, you know, for their final project, I always say, come back with five ideas because your first, one, first one's going to be shitty and your second one's also not going to be that great. But the third <laughs> one when they're on, you're actually going to yeah. have some good yeah. stuff. Now, if somebody had had the power to sit Thanos down and be like, come to me with five ideas, buddy, you know, <laughs> yes. um, but he went with the first idea, you know, and he was so committed to that idea that I don't think it ever occurred to him that once he had this, the, you know, all of these infinity stones that he could have gone another way, you know, and I think that that speaks to him, too. It would be it would be terrible if he did. It's right. the, the idea right. that like wouldn't a reasonable person. He's not reasonable. He's a supervillain. Like mm-hmm. he's all but referring if to himself he was in the third person. He wouldn't be doing this stuff. Exactly. He'd be he'd be putting his resources toward agriculture if he was right. Reasonable. And I would say, <laughs> yes. don't don't let the fact that they gave him one tiny shred of humanity move the needle from the fact that he is very bad like he was never going he was never in this for the right reasons you guys Mm -hmm. yeah your true nature comes out with power the more power somebody has you see who they truly are yes yes this is like man he's the anti-captain america from that perspective absolutely he was powerless at one point and his world suffered and he Mm -hmm. said well i'll settle that hash and yes now Mm -hmm. we see what is real his real self is. So yeah, it's just, I mean, I get that it's a reasonable question to ask. It's just also the kind of reasonable question you should answer before you say it out loud. You, you know why. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's a good question and I think it brings up a good discussion, but I don't think that there is any way in which we would expect that from Thanos. Yeah. Yes. Um, And had somebody brought that up to Thanos as an option, you know, he would even with it, even if somebody had said, you know, I mean, right now, I don't think it would ever occur to him. But I mean, if somebody had said it, that is the kind of thing that he would reject because he has the power. This is the the path that he is dedicated to. And he is on that path and he is not going to waver, you know, yep. but yeah. it does show. I mean, power is illuminating. Power shows who somebody is. The power, the choices that you have the power to make you know, basically define who you are mm-hmm. as a person, you know, and that's what happens in these stories, too, is that this is who he is. All right. So all of this discussed, really, really interesting. I can't wait to see it again. And I'm really looking forward to when we finally get there in the regular run of Listen Up A-Holes to have this discussion after I've seen it a few times and I can yeah. speak about it with with much, much more understanding. But for right now, Joshua, what's your favorite part? So, my gut reaction is basically everything with Thor, but upon reflection, it's actually Shuri making it clear that Bruce Banner and Tony Stark are the B team, and she did it in one sentence. (laughs) I know. (laughs) She's so much like their big sister or their mom in that point. Well, I'm sure you did your best. I just wanted to hug her. Right. So, yeah. I know. I know. Oh, God. I love her. She she's is fantastic. So fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. She is awesome. Just in this tiny little package. It's it's uh, this is definitely the Thor that I wish I'd had all along. But the more I think about it, the mm-hmm. more I'm just like, man, that's basically my that's there's a lot of stuff to like in this. Yeah. But that's my one. Yeah, that is my one. That's the thing that gave you the most joy. Yeah. I have to say for me, it was Thor. 
Thor on his quest to make the axe, how powerful, how galactic that is, yeah. how damaged, how like everything that I've ever, I, I didn't even know I wanted in Thor because mm -hmm. I did not care, you know, like, oh God, Stormbreaker, everything. I love it. I loved, I loved his whole interaction with Peter Dinklage. I love the fact that we have Peter Dinklage playing a part of a guy who was bigger than everybody. <laughs> yes yeah um it's so fantastic and uh and i just like the thor stuff and as i nobody is more shocked than me <laughs> by how much i love thor i like, am vindicated I never would have thought yes no absolutely you are i see <laughs> i see what thor could be i see that potential now and they've actually realized it it's just fantastic excellent i feel like that thor love is only going to grow as uh, uh well oh. i don't i don't know what he's gonna do after that uh, we'll talk again next summer like i don't know what to expect from yeah. Thor until after the next one of these so no he's gonna be dark and damaged and swinging that axe man i want to see it it'll be I really it. interesting to see this version of thor if everything gets undone so he still has the memory of this stuff yeah. but he gets it's not even a second chance for him because it's not like he dropped the ball here he's just like i appreciate you guys so much more even than i did before you know or will he will he withdraw himself because he knows what it is to have that incredible amount of loss and he doesn't want to feel that again I mean, oh i I have difficulty seeing that happening with this. He's already like such the big hearted guy at the beginning of Ragnarok, yeah. you know, that I just yeah. I, I'm not saying it's impossible. You can write yourself into anything, but I, I would feel like that was a betrayal of this character. I want to see him get gritty. I want to see him get gritty and damaged. I want to see Thor getting drunk. Yeah, I don't know. I just want to see. I want to see that dark side of Thor. I really do. Infinity War 2 may be that space for you. I feel like we could both get everything we wanted if the if that's part of the next three hours of the Avengers we may, saga. We may. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Listen Up A-Holes. We'll be back on May 21st with our discussion of Agent Carter Season 1, Episodes 5 through 8. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to join in, come find us on Twitter. I'm at Lonnie Diane Rich and Joshua is at Joshua Unruh. And the hashtag is listen up, a-holes. Both Chipperish Media and Pulp Diction Productions are entirely supported by listeners like you. So please show your support by visiting our Patreon pages. Or if you can't support us financially, leave us a glowing review on Apple Podcasts, which will also make it easier for more people to find us and join in the conversation. Absolutely. The links to Apple Podcasts and both of our Patreon pages are easy to find right there in your show notes. Until next time, if aliens wind up implanting eggs in our chests or something and we eat one of you, we're sorry. Sorry.